We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. What's up, guys? It's Rob from the Striking Gold Podcast on the Blue Wire Network. In case you haven't heard, Blue Wire teamed up with Greg Olson of the Seattle Seahawks to launch his brand new pod, Tight End One. Greg sat down with some of the best tight ends in the NFL history and went in-depth on the evolution of the tight end position. Bay Area listeners will not want to miss the episode featuring George Kittle, as they talked right before Kittle signed his historic contract extension with the 49ers. Check the description box for a link to the feed or just search tight end one. That's T E one anywhere you listen to your podcast. And just like Greg revolutionized the tight end position, you can revolutionize your football experience with NFL Sunday ticket by direct TV. Catch all the out of market games every week on all your devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Go to nflsundayticket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout. That's nflsundayticket.tv and promo code BLUEWIRE. And again, don't forget to check out Greg Olson's new pod right here on the Blue Wire Network, Tight End One. Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. This week's episode is brought to you by TheraOne. 
Sunday ticket and bet online. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers. Joining me tonight is my co-host, former NFL defensive back and owner and creator, proprietor of the Crocker Report, Eric Crocker. What's going on, dude? What's up? What's up? What's up, man? I'm I'm good. I, you know, I've been watching my Lakers demolish the the Portland uh, Trailblazers. So, you know, I don't know how much you're into basketball right now, but uh, that that's fun to watch. I mean, I've been I've been paying attention to like you know I guess the the clips, the highlights. I guess you could say I haven't been watching it, but just because I've never been that into basketball. But it's not it's not like there's anything else to watch right now. So um, there is one thing I do want to touch on with that because it, it kind of pertains to the NFL. Um, you know, with the 49ers coming out and saying that you know they're not going to have any fans at their home opener, and I, I've been watching <laughs> I've been watching the the bubble. And I think the NBA has done some really good things. They've had the virtual virtual fans up there, right? Where it's like, you know, people, you know, watching the game on their, you know, computer screens and whatnot. Uh, but they have like a seat. So it's like they're in like a virtual seat, which I think is kind of cool, you know? Um, so you see everybody uh, sitting in their seats, basically watching the game. And then they have generic crowd noise. But... I really feel like, at least from a TV perspective, it's added like, like a real feel to the game. Uh, the, I don't know who's pressing the buttons on for the crowd, but it really feels like there's like a like if I just close my eyes, I think that there was a real crowd there with how the game <laughs> just, is being played. Like yeah. a shot goes up, and then like if they miss, like you can hear the crowd. Like when something big happens, you hear the crowd. Like it's like. Dang, like this really sounds like a crowd. And then it's like they have home and away. So, you know, when your team is the away team, which obviously everybody there at the bubble is in Orlando, but when you're the away team, like the crowd's not cheering loud when, like, you know, something good happens for the away team. Like it's like they got it down like amazing. And I wonder if the NFL is going to do something like that because if it's just like I've heard people talk about, oh, they're pumping crowd noise and stuff like that, but. Like no way anybody wants to just be at a game playing and it's just complete silence. Like, so I, I hope that the NFL takes a page out of the NBA's book. Not saying you know they don't gotta do like the whole fan things on the virtual fans, but at least with the crowd noise, like NBA has it down pat, and NFL you know needs to take some some notes. It's funny because I was I was laughing while you were talking because. When you when you said uh, if you if you were to just close your eyes, it sounds like a real crowd. And like if for some reason, the mental image that popped into my head was you just sitting there watching the Lakers demolish the Trailblazers, and like just closing your eyes with like a slight smile on your face, and you're just listening to the crowd noise. You're like, man, this is it right here. This is the like, <laughs> yeah, like, like it was, that was just instantly popped into my head, and I just started like just laughing while you're talking. <laughs> so it's like I felt like like you know I was being rude, but at the same time, it was just such a funny mental image, kind of like what what I can't remember what movie that is where something happens on the TV. No, I gotta, I gotta get this right now. I can't remember what it is, but there's a movie where something happens on the TV and it shows a shot of the guy just with his hands up in the air. He's just sitting there with his hands up in the air. I, I, I can't remember what it was, but it was, it was such a great clip. And that reminds me of kind of just what you were just talking about. But yeah. I've heard people complain about some... like 
that part of it where it's like, oh, fake, you know, fake fans, like, this is weird. But I'm telling you, like, watching the basketball games, like, they got it right. And at first, the bubble felt weird. Like, it, it felt weird. It was like, ah, oh, this is not real. But once the playoffs started, it felt very real. So, like, when, what you call it, hit the game winner uh, from Luka from Dallas Mavericks. Oh, yeah. You, you, Everything about it felt real. Like if the fans going crazy, whatever fans, like <laughs> whatever noise they're pumping in, like it sounded like a real game. Like somebody hit a real game winning buzzer beater and the crowd's going off. So I just, you know, not to keep going on and on about the NBA, but I hope the NFL takes notes. And I, I think, yeah, they've done an amazing job. And I heard, I was listening to one podcast and he was like, you know, what if the guy, you know, thinks a big play happens and he hits the button for the crowd to cheer, but then it's not what he thought. It ended up being an incomplete pass. And I was thinking in my head, like, that's real life. The fans like, would think that too. Yeah, the fans would think that. Like, that's that's realistic right there where you think something good was happening, then it didn't. Then you kind of hear the crowd like, oh, like, you know, like. He just Yeah, he just needs a button for all the crowd to just change it up and go, oh. Yeah, so, nah, it, it's amazing. So, yeah. That, that's all I have to say about that. They probably crowd noise anyways, man. I mean, you've been to the 49er games. They what they cut the they cut the sound off at what uh 20 or 15? Yeah. Yeah. So you know right they, they pump in crowd noise all the way up until about uh 20 to 15 seconds left on the play clock. And then that's when they take out the fake noise. And then now it's just the, the rest of the way, the last 15 seconds or whatnot, is the actual real crowd uh making noise. You know what it is? The the scene I was thinking of from the movie is is uh, remember the Titans when he's in the hospital watching the game ah, and they yeah. score that game winning <laughs> touchdown and yeah. he's just got his eyes closed and his hands are in the air and he's just sitting there and and he's just enjoying that moment like that's kind of what I picture for you and the Lakers crowd noise. So um, no, I think that there's the one thing that that I saw that actually made quite a bit of sense is. And I'm not sure it would make a difference given the limited amount of people that are going to be allowed to games. But I think it was the Bills head coach. I think that's Sean McDermott. He was saying like this, all this stuff needs to be like regulated, like however many fans are allowed to come to games and however much noise you're putting into a stadium. And I mean, obviously it doesn't matter if it's in a broadcast, kind of like the, the basketball stuff. That's irrelevant because that's on the TV. But, you know, it, it, it's I'm not like, it's not like a huge deal, but it will be interesting because some people, depending on how COVID has impacted their city and their state and, and the rules that have been implemented, and you know, some of these people are going to allowed to be allowed to have fans at games, and some people don't, like the 49ers. So I'm wondering yeah. if, if if that's going to have any sort of an impact on if people are going to start complaining about that more passionately. If I, if I were on, I know the owners are supposed to be together, but like, nah, man, like. This needs to be equal. Like, if if they can't have fans in Santa Clara, how can they have fans in Kansas City? Like, that's that's kind right. of BS, really. Right. Um, you know, if I get you're trying the, to preserve the competitive integrity of the game, but at the same time, the NFL and that team, uh, you know, they're just going to see dollars. You know, the fact that they can allow some people in there. So, I don't know, man. It's it's. I think it's definitely going to be a conversation that becomes more prevalent as the season gets closer or, or as games start up and teams realize, you know, one week they're playing in an empty stadium home game. And then the next week they're in an away game and there's, you know, it's like 25% capacity, you know? So it's right. No, it's it just be, not right, man. Like I don't think that it's gotta be equal across the board. If, if this is something that's like, we're in a, a global pandemic, 
you know, and if this is something like that's going on that's out of certain teams' control, like now if teams had the the option like to 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 have fans or not have fans, then I get it. But there are teams that don't have the option, like the 49ers don't have the option to have fans. They're trying to like play it out, like, okay, well, we won't be able to have fans first game, but like maybe second or third home games, like we will be able to, like right now, but but the Santa Clara, the the, the county of Santa Clara won't allow it. So it's like right. if 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 certain teams uh areas won't allow them to have fans. I feel like that 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 should like hold true for every team because it is a competitive advantage, even if it's not like you know as much. I feel like just the circumstances should be the same all the way across. I agree. I mean, I, that that they've taken so many steps to preserve that. Anyways, you know, everybody was had to start training camp, and at the same time, everybody had to start training camp in this in a certain way and. You know, and it's that way across every sport. You know, all there's there's rules that apply to every team. So I could see that becoming a problem, and I'm surprised it hasn't been talked about more because that's what the Bills head coach was saying, and I'm sure other coaches have said it, but was saying, look, like this all needs to be universal. Like if we can't have fans, nobody should be having fans because of the the, the indifference in environment from playing from one state into the other is going to be so drastic, and there's going to be such a massive advantage. So. Uh, you know, that'll be interesting to see all that comes about because it's, uh, you know, we're right there. What do we have, like two weeks before the regular season? Something like that? Yeah, about two and a half weeks. I mean, there, there's so, a there's a night game coming soon. Right. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It's definitely going to be a topic. That's for sure. But anyway, speaking of topics, let's we'll, we'll, we'll keep rolling. Um, you know, a little like housekeeping is to, in terms of podcasting news. You know, the 49ers signed uh, former Colts tight end Eric Swoop. Uh, Swoop, Swoop, there it is. I, I saw a lot of people making puns out of his name. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't know much about him. I, he's just, for the most part, a depth piece. You know, somebody that Texas? they needed. Is he from Texas College? I mean, you know, Texas. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I could I could Google his name right now and we could find out. I just out, remember them having like a, a Swoop. I think there's a couple people that have that last name. Uh, he played college basketball at the University of Miami, uh, and despite never having played organized football, was signed by the Indianapolis Colts as an undrafted free agent after the 2014 NFL draft. Hmm. Interesting. He's 6'5", 243. So he's five, been in the league 50. since 2014. That's pretty good. He's made a good uh, a run at it. Yeah, that, that reminds me of like uh, Julius Thomas. Like you know, I went to high school with Julius right. and. Uh, I was a year older than Julius. He would not play football with us. Never played. Never played with us. <laughs> and uh, went off to college, played four years at Portland State. And then with one year of eligibility to play another sport or or however it works, he ended up playing football. And next thing you know, I'm, I'm, I, I had no idea. I'm watching the East-West Shrine game just because I love, you know, football and stuff. And I'm like, Julius Thomas, like he made a catch. I'm like, not, not Julius. So I'm calling the homies, like, bro, did Julius play fo- football? Like, what, is this him in the East West Shrine game? They're like, yeah, man. I'm like, what? Then next thing you know, gets drafted, you know, in the fourth round of all of all things. And I was like, dude, dudes work like their whole life to play football, and this dude Julius just got drafted. Just in the fourth jumped round. in. I could not believe it. And then, not just that, like. 
I drafted him, not his rookie year, he was banged up, but like the next year, he's my homie. So like, let me just draft him. And he just took off with Peyton Manning. I mean, like, <laughs> like he ended up being like, <laughs> Nick Car- he rode that wave and got paid big money to go to, uh, it was either Jacksonville or or Miami. I know he played for like both for a little short stint, but um, yeah, Julius Mann, like, yeah, he, he got paid. So yeah, with Swoop, I, I'm just kind of, Somebody that made a good career out of, you know, he played basketball. And even Julius at least played one year at Portland State. But this Swoop guy, man, like never played basketball. But, I mean, never played football. But ended up having a good career. Like when you're in the league or around it for six years, like that's really good. Because it is cutthroat. And a lot of these dudes, I saw the running back uh, uh, from the 49ers the, uh, from Washington get released today. And... He may never get another opportunity in NFL. Like that's just how it works. Right. Yeah. He uh, he played in or Indian. He played with the Colts for four years, 2014, 15, 16. Uh, didn't do anything for 17. I'm not sure why. Um, then played a few games in 2018, and then didn't play in 19. I guess. And uh, and now he's on the 49ers. And and right now the 49ers are dealing with um, primary backup Ross Dwelly. He's dealing with a foot injury. Um, so, and, and, uh, Jordan Reed is just kind of slowly being eased. We'll talk more on him later. He's just slowly being e- eased into the action. So they just needed more in there. And, um, you know, he's a guy that can step in and he's been obviously been around the league for a while. And while he hasn't, you know, seen a lot of, you know, he started, he played in 16 games in 2016. He had almost 300 yards and a touchdown. He scored three touchdowns in 2018. So he's just been around the game a lot. Somebody who, like Shanahan said in today's press conference, somebody could line up, somebody that knows the formation, somebody that could just come in there and make sure that they, you know, they, they don't have a problem or they don't hold somebody back. So um, that's kind of what that is. The 49ers also worked out four receivers today. Um, I got their names right here. Oops, I clicked off of it. Uh, Johnny Holton, formerly of the Steelers. Kevin White, former first-round pick of the Bears. Uh, River Craycraft. That's a hell of a last name. Craycraft. Like that just sounds like a brand for something, you know, like maybe a, a, a music label or something, but, um, and then you got Justin Hardy, formerly of the Falcons. Um, so, I mean, they just brought guys in. They haven't Kevin White. Did you mention mention Kevin White? Yeah, I mentioned Kevin White. Okay. Yeah. Former first round pick of the bears. I mean, I was, when he was coming out, I was really into that guy. He just seemed like an absolute beast. Um, but yeah, he just, was with like Amari Cooper, and it was like, oh, which one? Like, which one's gonna be the guy? Yeah, and right, right. Their career is going two totally different directions. Now, the biggest thing, obviously, Amari Cooper just got paid twenty million a season, and Kevin right. White can't stay on a team. He he, he dealt with the injuries, man, and you know, obviously, right. that's why 49ers are looking at these guys right now. You know, you you just have these nagging things, and I, I see a lot of people kind of panicking with, well. Oh man, they're bringing in guys again, or you know. And I'll say this about training camp. Remember, I, I was released at one point because, uh, just kind of like Ahmad Ahmad Salat. I don't even butcher his name. The running back from Washington, Salat <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ahmad, whatever you know. But um, just like how he was released because there were injuries at different positions. That that same exact thing happened to me. Uh, Chris Ivory and Joe McKnight were were injured going into the next game. So they had to release guys to make room for other guys just to be able to go into a game and, and play because you, you can't cut Ivory or McKnight. You can't put them on pup list. 
So you have to figure out a way to where you can get guys in there to practice and get reps, but not take away from, you know, the overall team. So that, a lot of that's what the 49ers are doing right now where, yeah, maybe the initial guys they brought in with uh, uh, Tavon Austin and uh, J.J. Nelson, you know, we spoke about that on the last pod about how, like, hey, maybe there is a potential role for one of these guys. But the guys that they just worked out, I hate calling people camp bodies because I, I just think you, you just never know. And I don't like putting caps on anyone. But I really think this is more of a camp body move where you have to bring some guys in because, hey, we just have to make sure that we take the stress off of the receivers that we have practicing right now. We, we don't want, you know, Kendrick Bourne running more routes on the air or more taking more reps in team or seven on seven then he has to because that's when injuries start to kind of happen. Like we've seen with an IU or whatever, you know, these guys still trying to ease into it. There's no preseason games and stuff like that. And you kind of, you want to get them reps, but you want to be smart about it. And once you start kind of running low on numbers a little bit, you'll start having the other guys getting injured. And we've kind of seen that. So that's what I think when I looked at this workout, that was the first thing that popped in my head. They need guys to take some reps from some of the guys that they know are going to be there. Right. And, and uh, to your point a little bit, like some of these guys, they, to my knowledge, they removed a lot of the rules as far as the practice squad goes. So some of these guys, no matter how veteran they are, if they don't make the 53 or man roster, um, then I know they expanded the numbers on the practice squad. And I believe, like I said, they made it to where even veterans can be on a practice squad. Yeah. Now. Like things you know, like four, guys or right or vets yeah. right it keeps them employed you know and, and practice squad players in the grand scheme of of life and all the jobs that you can have practice squad players still make good money and and really so good. It's, it, it's it was six thousand yeah. a week when i was playing so it's, it's got to be like seven eight thousand a week now <laughs> right <laughs> at, yeah. at, the, so at the very minimum yeah, it's a super viable thing to do. So, you know, like you said, some of these guys, they might get brought on as a camp body, but maybe they, you know, maybe they make some splashes and the coaching staff takes a liking to them and, and they end up sticking around on a practice squad, which, com like I said, compared to being unemployed, it's a huge difference. It's really 76, good money. So. 76000 per week. I mean, 7600 excuse me. Yeah, see, that's good money, man. I don't, I don't, that's, I don't, I don't even know if I make, I'm a teacher. I don't know if I make half of that in a month. It's yeah, close. 7600 a week practice squad so yeah these guys are, might be brought into fill spaces but the the, the opportunity is there for them to prove their worth and, and maybe earn a spot like that but like crocker's saying you know with camp and with practice especially with the way they've had to ease into it this season there has been a ton of injuries and what they can't have which is exactly what crocker's saying what they can have is guys that you still plan on having a role in the season just getting reps out of their mind because they're going to get hurt too. And then you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So they have to continually just bring guys in to make sure that uh, they can smooth out the reps. And one guy's not getting too much work because they're just going to end up getting hurt because right now the 49ers have a massive, none of them all too serious, but the 49ers have a massive list of, of injuries. They announced today that Nick Bosa suffered a, a muscle strain and he's week to week. Um, I think he's kind of considered likely for, for week one, but he's week to week. He probably won't practice anymore during training camp. Uh, D Ford irritated his calf. He's considered day to day. So that's short term. 
Uh, Brandon Ayuk, the 49ers' new shining rookie wide receiver, uh, he had a, a, a minor hamstring strain, and he's considered week to week. Kyle Shanahan kind of seemed today uh, optimistic that he, you know, that he would be ready for the first week. Excuse me for the first game of the season. K1 Williams, um, uh, you know, last week suffered a a calf strain, and he's week to week. You know, you, like I said, you got Ross Dwelly who had a foot injury, and his kind of timeline's unknown. You have center slash guard Bed Garland, who injured his ankle. His timeline's unknown. You have Ross Reynolds, who was carted off, I believe, two days ago. Carted off the field, but they haven't really announced uh, what what happened to him. And so his diagnosis is still unknown. Um, Jalen Hurd tore his ACL, you know, about a week ago now. And he's out for the season. DJ Jones just came back from a concussion. Uh, for a while there, they were worried about his shoulder, but apparently it's not a problem. Came back from a concussion. He con- concussion. He just returned to practice uh, today, and apparently got himself a, a a pick and a fumble in the same play. From what I was reading, so that's funny. But so, th- I mean, that is a massive, a massive list of of injuries. And for every one of those injuries, you can't just expect the guy behind them to soak up all the reps of, let's say, you know. Brandon Ayuk, the guy playing behind him, whoever it would be, let's just say Trent Taylor. And that's obviously those two don't necessarily share the same position, but let's just say for namesake, Trent Taylor, Juwan Jennings, whoever it is, um, Kendrick Bourne, you know, maybe he's he's soaking up. You can't take all of Ayuk's reps and all of his own reps and you not expect that guy to to just start taking some bank, you know, some, some bruises. So that's just kind of, you have to keep bringing guys in. You have to absorb that brunt, you know, with, more guys, they essentially, they want the guys to continue. They can get a little bit more, but they want the other guys to continue taking the same amount of reps they were taking before. Uh, otherwise, you're just pushing it. And, you know, you can't, when a starter gets hurt, you don't want to push this backup so hard that he gets hurt as well because then you're just in a whole lot of trouble. So I know that's that's a lot of words just to say something that probably seems very, very simple to everybody listening, but. I mean, that's just kind of how it is. And, and obviously you've experienced all of that in your own way firsthand uh, with uh, with all your training camp adventures. How long were you uh, How long were you training camp, like total? Jeez, I don't remember. It was, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but I know that the, the first releasing happened because, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll release you and bring you back, it, you know, depending on – you know who you are and what what kind of role, but the first one was uh, I got released two weeks in. It was right before the first preseason game, um, right after the green white right, white scrimmage, which they had told me they planned on bringing me back like after they released me. But um, yeah, I had just got an interception. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm good. Then I get the phone call and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> you know? So yeah, no, nah, it's just it, it's crazy how it works. Um, in in the NFL, man, like you know, it, it's a business and it's cutthroat. And I, when you're there, when you're there, you you understand the business side of it. Um, so it's typically you don't take it, you don't see people take it personal. Now I did see. I don't know if you've been watching Hard Knocks, but a guy a guy got released because you know they had to cut the roster down, and he was pissed. He was like, <laughs> like he really went in there uh, like a tight end for the Chargers. And he went into the office of the head coach, uh, Anthony Lynn. Anthony Lynn actually was the running back coach when I was with the New York Jets. Um, but uh, he went into Anthony Lynn's office and was just like, really? 
this is fucking bullshit. Like, really? <laughs> like, and and so Anthony Lynn was just like, you know, and dude was just like, is he, I'm like, is he trying to intimidate Anthony Lynn? Have you not, you haven't seen this? No, no, I haven't. I haven't been keeping up with Hard Knocks. This is like the uh-huh. first year I haven't. I haven't watched it religiously. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably tonight. I'll probably hop yeah. on and catch. Only two episodes behind, and then tonight is episode right. three. But yeah, no, it was like he was like trying to intimidate him. But like, yeah, typically most guys. Anthony Lynn in, doesn't strike me as a guy that would be intimidated. He wasn't intimidated, but I think is he it? like he appreciated it. Like, I like that he cares. Like he went into like right. I think like the GM's office and was like, no. Nah, Hey man, uh, he was pissed off. <laughs> he was like, I like that he cares. Uh, you know, we're gonna have to bring him back. <laughs> you know, and I was like, that's right. I mean, yeah, yeah. As long as you don't and like, you know, as long as in that situation you've got to express frustration at the situation, and as long as you don't get personal, you know, you can't get get personal in a situation like that. But if you, I'm you know, surprised I'm sure they appreciate the fact that he cares. I'm surprised it didn't like blow up on social media because that was like a scene where I was just like, "Damn, is this really happening?" <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, and I mean, he was pissed. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to like record it or something and send it to you. Okay, all right, like a little little doctor disrespect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Before we before we go reeling off topic, we gotta we gotta get some words in from our sponsors. First one for uh, for today is TheraOne CBD. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. So everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wurzland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device. When Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, he created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products, but you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. We've got Sunday ticket because on Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. I know y'all are getting excited out there. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. You're never going to miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. 
No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Which is interesting too because Sunday Ticket is not cheap. It's really expensive. And to get 15% off, that's pretty legit. Promo code BLUEWIRE. So... Yeah, that's it for that's it for our sponsors for now. But man, I've I've been in a house that had Sunday ticket. It was really legit. I was like shocked at how many NFL games I could watch at once. It was it was a total trip. I've uh, I, it was only one time. I've never been in another house that had Sunday ticket, but that one time stuck with me. Um, hey Crocker, I want you since you had just a super funny reaction to it. Uh, I want I want to explain. I want you to explain Shanahan's reaction when he was asked if he had any inf- uh, interest in now free agent safety Earl Thomas. I I watched that. I thought that was really funny. Um, I I'm watching it on. I think I watched it on like Facebook, and I was like, oh, "Okay, Kyle Shanahan." Somebody tagged me in this, so I watched the whole thing. And when he got to Earl Thomas, it's really funny because Kyle Shanahan, he's like such a straight shooter, and he doesn't know how to sugarcoat stuff. Like John Lynch, he's also very, very, very honest and open, but he still knows how to kind of be a little bit more like polit- political with it, I guess. Like he'll kind of like ease in like that he's not feeling something or, you know, whatever. Kyle Shanahan, with him, it just it just is what it is. So when they asked him about it, it was just like, in my head, like how I heard it was just basically like, it's never gonna fucking happen. Like that's how I <laughs> <laughs> that's how I interpreted what he was saying. It was just like, hey, you know, what do you have you guys looked into getting uh, Earl Thomas at all? And he's like, No, we like the guys we have. <laughs> like, we're fine. <laughs> like, <All right>. damn. <laughs> no disrespect to Earl, but we have our team and we like who we got. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> like, yeah, like no sugar cone, it just <laughs> we're good. Like our position, yeah. like our team, we're fine. And like, you know, you and I, before we started recording, we were talking about how, you know, most people would have been like, man, you know, Earl, he's been really good in this league for a really long time, you know, still has some really good years left in him. You know, f- excuse me, fortunately for us, you know, we we have, you know, Tard and Ward back there. And, you know, we like Harris. We have some nice depth at the position. So, you know, we're pretty set there, but I know he'll land on a good team. Like, you know, somebody, most teams. Hey, that was like, good, bro. That was good. Yeah, you know, they, you know, coaches, they, they have a little coach speak, you know, and he doesn't. <laughs> He's just like, nah, like, nah, we're good, homie. <laughs> not, yeah, especially, yeah, definitely not when it comes to media. You know, I'm sure he's, he, he knows how to, when it talk to his players and stuff like that. But when it comes to media, because think that, about like what Pettis, like, he was really honest to him. Pettis, like, kind of started acting kind of like he crumbled under it. And right. We're gonna he, we're gonna get to that. Don't yeah, we're don't. gonna get to that. But you know, Kyle's been like that with everybody where it's and, and I think maybe that's what rubbed some people the wrong way when he was in Washington, where he just kinda it is what it is. And there is no like I know people like this. My homeboy um Lavelle Hawkins played a bunch of years in the NFL. Not a bunch, but he played like six years in the NFL. And Lavelle would always tell me, like, E, you know, you you you, you gotta be straight up like he has to tell you how he feels like he doesn't know any other way like he had like me I'm like a non-confrontational type person 
So I'd rather just be like, man, you know, I don't even want to talk about it. But but uh Lavelle, he's the type of person where like you ha- he has to tell you exactly how he feels about something. And he's not gonna sugarcoat it to 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 save your feelings. And I, I see a lot of that in Kyle Shanahan as well. Yeah, no, and I, and that is and that has earned him a lot of praise. You know, you've heard plenty of players mention it, you know, that the fact that they appreciate that they always know how he feels. They can always have an honest conversation with him. They can always, you know, they, they just always know where he sits. And and even people outside of the team that, you know, when Kyle Shanahan answers a question uh, asked by the media and he's either brutally honest or he's really detailed. And, you know, if you ask him a question about scheme, he'll just take off with it. You know, all, all he, he really just doesn't have – I'm sure he does have a filter, but – it just is a very limited one in the fact that he's still going to tell you exactly how he feels. And maybe if he were talking to him off camera, he would add in a couple of F-bombs and, you know, stuff like that, because that's how, you know, that's how football coaches talk a lot of the time. But, you know, he's just going to he's going to tell you. And he wasn't he wasn't, you know, brash by any means when talking about Earl Thomas. He just was real short and, and to the point he just, you know, was like. You know, this is no disrespect to Earl, but uh, we have our team. We we like what we like our safeties. We like where we're at, and that was it. You know that 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 was it. So uh, <laughs> I bet the, uh, the beat writers probably just looking at the screen like, oh, okay, <laughs> right, right. Well, he's he's not going to give you something to write about. I mean, a lot of times he does. Shanahan has plenty of good quotes that are that are worth writing about, but. Uh, he's just, he's going to be to the point and he's not going to add any fluff to it. And that is a, a very valuable commodity, especially with all the politics involved in being an NFL head coach and, you know, saying things the right way and trying not to ruffle feathers and you knowing that everything you say is going to end up on paper somewhere. So, you know, it's, it's cool that he's just so honest because I don't know if I've ever listened to Shanahan and ever felt like he was lying or sugarcoating something you know i I can't think of a time where i just kind of like looked at the screen like you sure you know like he's just honest and it is what it is you know it it is what it is with him um but i was gonna go into jordan reed but now that we're on the topic of shanahan i feel like we should talk about an idea that was kind of floating around on social media because i know that you have thoughts on this I have thoughts on this. Um, And to me, it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, over the past few years, I've gotten very, very, very good at not saying things on Twitter. (laughs) Like, like there's been so many times where I've been like, man, I really want to reply to this. And I just won't (laughs) do it it, because rarely is it ever worth it. Like in, in many cases, like whether it's political or it's just, you know, football or it's anything. I've gotten very, very good at just kind of, you know, minding my own damn business, is for lack of a better term. And uh, you know, when I when I saw this start to crop up from quite a few people, I was just kind of like having one of those moments, like, like looking up at the ceiling, going like, really? Like, is this is this the theory right here? And what I'm referring to was the idea that Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, is at fault for Dante Pettis' regression in his second year and the la- his the lack of, you know, whatever you want to call this. Like, Dante Pettis' lack of progress are to be faulted with Kyle Shanahan's coaching. 
which to me, I just, I could not fathom it. Like I just was, obviously I'm not there, but I have been there a lot more than a lot of the people talking about this. I will say that I haven't been there this year because training camp through training or COVID through training camp right into my school year. So I, I, you know, I had to choose between one and the other and obviously my job's going to win out, but I just, I've been around Shanahan a lot. I've watched him coach these players and, but I'm not in meetings and stuff like that where a lot of these conversations go down, but I just never seen anything to suggest that Shanahan would drive one of his players into the ground to a point where that player can't perform, which is, you know, I mean, that's essentially what was inferred. Well, I mean, what are your first thoughts, Croc? What are your, what are your immediate reactions when you read and stuff like that? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a person. Um, I respond very well to constructive criticism. I would rather know, like, let me know where I need to improve. Let me know where I need to get better. Like, don't, don't sugarcoat it. Now, obviously, you don't be, you don't got to be like, man, Croc, you have to suck. Like, you know, you don't got to be <laughs> like that. But like, you know, if you're telling me like, hey, these are the areas where I need you to improve. I would rather know that than you kind of beat around how you really feel about it. Let me know. So with Kyle Shanahan, you know, obviously he he loves all his players and he believes in them, right? He believes in Dante Pettis. He drafted Dante Pettis. He definitely feels like Pettis could be a really good player in the league. But, hey, Pettis, I need you to get better right here, right here, right here, or you're not going to play. And and that's just how Kyle is, and he's a straight shooter. Well, I think uh, it sounds like Dante Pettis, under the scrutiny or constructive criticism of of Kyle Shanahan kind of crumbled and didn't respond well to it, didn't take well to it. And you can't you can't do that. Now there will be people that say, well you can't coach this player like you can coach that player. But it's like no nah, like this is a business. And regardless, you know what Dante Pettis like, I'm gonna be here with or without you. So it's on you to figure out if you're gonna be here and be a part of this. If not, we will move on. There's other guys that are stepping up. You got Debo Samuel right now, because I'm going back to last year, right? When Pettis was going through this. You got Debo Samuel. He's stepping up. Like, he's being the guy. <laughs> Shoot, I, I'll go trade for Emmanuel Sanders. You know, then you, you know, you draft guys. You got, and, and it's like, the guys are going to step up. The, 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 it's going to go on. The, the, the boat's going to keep <laughs> selling. All right. So you have to, like, do you want to be a part of this? And if so, you gotta you gotta pick up your game in these areas, and I think so. It sounds like he was brutally honest with Dante, and it sounds like Dante, from what he said, he didn't take it very well, and he took it as if the coach didn't love him. <laughs> you know, it, is, it can't be like that because it's a business. The the last thing that coaches want, like you're not gonna be the reason I get fired. Like Dante, uh-huh. I'm not gonna get fired because of you, or you know, my office isn't clicking the way I want because you're not doing what you're supposed to do. So. I'd be really honest with him. And he was honest and he didn't take well to it. That's on him. He did the same thing. If I'm not mistaken, um, I've heard that he had some conversations with Kendrick Bourne and the conversations went along the lines of like, Hey, if you don't step up in this area, like I'm going to cut you. Like if you don't do this better, I'm going to cut you. He had those same conversations with Bourne and Bourne, although he hasn't been like this amazing football player or whatever, he's carved off, carved out a little, a nice little role for himself. And like Kyle Shanahan said this, 
this offseason, like, man, like, you know, he's like, or this uh, training camp, like, he's, he's like the leader of the group. He's the vet. He's the vet. Well, and I would, even, I would even go as far as to say Kendrick Bourne's gone from an undrafted free agent to making himself, at least right now in the current state, like, uncuttable. Like, right. you know, he's like a guy that they're going to have to lean on. And, you know, obviously, as an undrafted free agent, he's had to forge through a lot of feedback and a lot of adversity to get to where he is. And some people react differently to that that sort of thing. Yeah, but but what I'm saying, and what I'm saying is, and that's true, what I'm saying is it's on Dante Pettis to react the right way to Kyle Shanahan. It's not on Kyle Shanahan to have to react a certain way or change who he is for Dante Pettis. Because at the end of the day, Shanahan is getting paid big money and he got a six-year contract. Like, Dante, you have... And there are coaches that will maybe sympathize more or, Pat, you know, guys will coach different styles. Clearly, that's not Kyle Shanahan. And I don't think it's on Kyle Shanahan to adapt to the player. I think it's on that player. Now, unless it's like, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or something, or, or maybe, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or if somebody's going through something like, uh, you know, Solomon Thomas, and you can kind of understand like some of the things he's had to go through over the last couple of years, you can be a little bit more sympathetic. And But even then, uh, you know, I sympathize with you, but you were the number three overall pick. And we've seen him take a back seat to guys and then bring in guys and play guys over him. And they've done all but just cut him. So, yeah, man, I mean, it, it's a part of football. It's a part of sports at, at any level. It's a business. And I've been told this and other guys, you know, shoes, man, I almost got cut for less. I almost got cut one time because I was getting blocked by a receiver. And the coach said, hey, if he blocks you again, I'm going to cut you right now on this field. Like, you won't return back to the locker room. We'll have somebody get your stuff and just take it and they'll drive you to the hotel and fly you out. Like, there's cutthroat in the league. It's cutthroat. So, yeah. And, and, and in addition to that, like, and everything you just said was really well said and I agree with. Because, I, I mean, I've played football, obviously not at, at Crocker's level and obviously ne- nothing near, you know, I didn't go beyond the high school level. Um, and, but I continue to coach it. And I, and I coach now and, and I know the dynamic between players and coaches and I know kind of, you know, and even coaches have to walk kind of a tightrope sometimes depending on the player. But for the most part, like coaches have their styles, coaches do their things and you either go with the flow or you get out of the way. And, and it, while there is some credence to, you know, leadership styles and being able to adapt to the people under you, there's nothing saying that Kyle Shanahan has a coaching style that was, would require Pettis or, or would require him to adapt to Pettis or Pettis to adapt to Shanahan. Like you look at the amount of people that Shanahan has coached and, and, and has guided to success and the amount of positive praise he's received from so many players, um, with, whether within the 49ers or before that. And they've had nothing but good things to say. And, and like Crocker was saying with Kendrick Bourne, you, you know, like that guy has managed to work himself into a position where he's been uncuttable under the same coach that Dante Pettis has. And, and this is coming from Shanahan, who traded up to get Dante Pettis, liked everything right. about him and, and wanted him to be under him. And you just can't assume that Pettis, that excuse me, that Shanahan somehow decided that he was just going to start coaching Pettis so hard that it drove his confidence into the ground. And 
a lot of it doesn't make sense to think that way. Like Pettis was on fire as a rookie, the back half of that rookie season, he was on fire. So you're saying that Shanahan's coaching style was working then. And then when it all started to fall apart for Pettis, all of a sudden that coaching style was to blame for Pettis's problems. And I think Pettis needs to blame his, it sounds like he's going through something and he had to do some like soul searching or whatnot. He was saying something about it to come out later. Yeah, he said as much, yeah. Um, So he has to figure that part out. What I know or what I've seen, I've played for several different coaches from college. I played for four different coaches in my four years of college. I'm head coaches. I went to one junior college. I went to another junior college. I went to a four-year university for two years, and each year had a different uh, head coach. So four different head coaches I've had to play with there. When I got to the professional leagues, um, I played for four different head coaches <laughs> in four years. And I'll tell you, like, I had to adapt to their way of coaching. Like, you know, like, it was, oh, well, we got Croc. I got to coach Croc this way. Now, your position coach, yeah, your position coach might take a different approach. You know, your position coach might, like, okay, Croc, like, you know, this is what he wants from you. And, okay, we need you to do this and that, and this is what he's trying to say. But your head coach, he just needs the shit done. Like, he, he's, there's no, it's like, just get it done. And he's going to get on you. He's going to get on the position coach. So it's going <laughs> you to adjust to the style of the coach. So when Kyle Shanahan calls him into the office and has this conversation, like, Dante, you got to look at yourself and figure out what it is that you need to do to, to step your game up. And that's it. If you play well, you're fine. Well, and that's the thing. He was playing well as a rookie, and this wasn't a conversation. It, it was all of a sudden when he started to struggle that all of a sudden it became somehow became Shanahan's fault. And another thing I will say, and this is an important point to make, and this is in no way uh, me bragging or, or anything close to that matter. A lot of this narrative that Pettis is at fault, or excuse me, Shanahan's at fault for Pettis' struggles, comes from people who were not there to watch his offseason before last season. And Crocker was there for the majority of it, and I was there for all of it. And Dante Pettis was struggling. Yeah. It was not, and and, and there was no Kyle Shanahan coming sprinting out off the sideline or from behind the formation to scream at Dante Pettis. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they had words on several occasions, but any receiver that constantly makes mistakes is going to have words from every coach above him. That's just the way the game works. And if you were not there to witness Dante Pettis's off season and how much he was obviously struggling. And this is in no way me berating Pettis because I'm a very big fan of his game. And like Crocker has said multiple times, this man has serious talent, serious talent, but obviously he is working through something and he may still be working through something. And to pretend like, like those struggles. So, so Dante Pettis went from a supreme close to his, of his rookie season and in that very next offseason, he, when he hasn't even been around Shanahan, he was struggling. Like training straight camp. away, right at training camp. Yep. And he they just looked off. They were forcing him to rock. Remember that? I mean, they were forcing him over and over and over. And it just was not working. Like, it just wasn't working. And and the one where I was actually standing next to, um, was it when I was standing next to the roster watch guy? 
I was standing next to somebody and they threw this, Jimmy threw this beautiful corner. It wasn't a corner out. It was like a crosser from one side of the field to the other. And it was like- I remember that. Perfectly placed right over the linebacker's outstretched arms. And this is when, you know, obviously the, the hype was Dante Pettis can potentially be a, a wide receiver one for the 49ers. So when they threw this ball and it was like a beautiful pass, about 25 to 30 yards downfield down the left sideline, and it just went straight through his hands. And and the first thing I said was, like, I looked at whoever was next to me. It might have been Grant Cohn right next to me. I just remember saying, if you're going to be a guy, like, you got to have that. Like, you you can't. And they just consistently tried to force him the ball, force him the ball, force him the ball. And he got punked by a killer Witherspoon for a ball, interception. Like, I mean, it was just like one thing after another where he just, he was struggling. And, and that's how he, and then that continued in, into the season. Now he did have the, um, he had a good game against the Rams early on. And, and it's like, when we say good games, like this is how far down our standards have gone. Like he had a game against the um Rams where he had like four catches for 45 yards. It was like, oh, that was a good game. Like, you know, like that's how low the standards are for him right now. Um, you know, he he had game-winning touchdown catch against Pittsburgh, but there were a lot of other opportunities that he just let slip through. And it's like if you're not gonna make plays, you're you're not gonna you're not gonna play. You have to add sometimes, like everybody puts so much on the quarterbacks. My my homeboy told me, this is what my homeboy Derek Graves, he told me, he said, all quarterbacks suck. Is on the receivers to make them look good. So sometimes it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be a perfect pass. You have to, sometimes you're going to have to bail out your quarterback. And Pettis never did. We've seen Bourne show up and, and bail out his quarterback, I mean, several times. How many times did he bail him out against the Vikings in the playoff game where he jumped up over a, a pass that was high and behind him and he jumped, twisted his body, came down with the catch on third down. There was another one where the ball got hit and it was fluttering in the air and Kendrick Bourne made a great play. We saw uh, we saw Debo do it against the Cardinals where Jimmy threw it in between like three people and and uh, uh, Debo caught it on the guy's back, you know. And, that like, touchdown catch against the Ravens too where he caught – where it looked like it was kind of right at the yeah. defender and he just got in front of him and caught it and scored. Derek Graves told me, all quarterbacks suck. Receivers got to make them look good. And Pettis never made his quarterback look good. Outside the Steelers, that was a good catch. But, you know, there were several other opportunities where it's like, dude, you you got to make a play. And he just didn't. Well, and it's – there was that one and, – and you got to tell me if I'm making this up because I know I'm not. I've seen it. I can't remember what game it was. It might have also been the Steelers, but I don't think it was, where Jimmy Garoppolo targeted Pettis on kind of like a post – um, towards the north end zone in Levi's Stadium, and it was a perfect pass, and he just straight up dropped it. And if he would have caught it, he would have just been running straight into the end zone. No it was problem. It Browns game. Okay. And then it, there was that clip that showed Jimmy Garoppolo right after that ripping his chin strap off, and and I the words that it looked like he said was every effing time. Right. And, and you talk about somebody – like Jimmy Garoppolo, who's about as low key as it gets for a quarterback, not necessarily on the field. Obviously he gets fired up, but you know, as far as what he, he is willing to say about teammates, he's never willing to, he's always willing to take the blame for pretty much anything. And for him to, in that moment to think like that, that should open up a very small window that I don't want to 
you know, make it seem more important than it is. But that gives you a very small glimpse at Garoppolo's relationship with Pettis and, and Pettis's relationship with the offense and even Pettis's relationship with Kyle Shanahan. Because Kyle Shanahan's going to see that exact same play. He either saw it right then live or he's going to see it in film review and he's going to say something similar. I guarantee it. So, like, the idea that that Pettis's struggles weren't – now there's there's always minutia, minutia and there's always, you know, several factors that contribute to any given scenario. But the idea that the primary reason for Pettis's struggles isn't Pettis himself – it just blows my mind. Like, and right. and it's okay for a guy to struggle and it's okay for him to go through his own things. But like the idea that this is somehow somebody else's fault is it blows my mind. Somebody, especially somebody like Shanahan, who is so almost universally praised for the, everything he does, whether it's his coaching or his play calling. I mean, I guess every now and then he gets his play calling gets, gets trash, but I mean, it's freaking Shanahan. You're going to take the good with the bad, but like, it just doesn't add up. Like the idea that this that Pettis mismanaged God, I keep saying Pettis first. Shanahan mismanaged Dante Pettis, somebody whom he traded up to get and helped show off his insane talent in his rookie year, is all of a sudden gonna start coaching this guy into the ground. Like it just sounds like Shanahan had to start showing Pettis some tough love. And sometimes there's no choice. Sometimes that is what you have to do as a coach. No matter how much you like this player, no matter how much you love this kid, no matter how much you want to see him succeed, if you, sometimes you just have to come down on him. And it sounds like when that happened, Pettis didn't know how to react, and it sounds you know he re- reacted the wrong way. And again, so just to reiterate, right? We like Pettis. Like I think he's. I've said it on the pod. I've said it on Twitter. I think he probably has the best all around game of all the 49ers receivers. Obviously, Ayuk might, you know, have something to say about that. But I, I think from a from a receiver, a pure receiver skill skill set and uh, per- perspective, I think when Kyle Shanahan drafted him and what you saw him do and what he has the ability to to be, I think he's like a, a, a offensive coach's dream. Where it's like, man, I can line him up here, I can line him up there. He can beat anybody from anywhere. He can stretch the field. He can work underneath. He can he can is a quick initial. You know, uh, uh, separation, like he has all the ability in the world, but, you know, he's, he's just got to show it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you you wrapped up our point pretty well in the fact that, that I have a – I mean, I'm – Crocker's a receiver's guy. I'm a receiver's guy. I have a very high opinion of what Pettis can do. Uh, I mean, you have like guy like like Brad Kelly, who I, I interact with a lot on Twitter – um, he's a big receivers guy. And he had Dante Pettis as as the the draft that draft class's best receiver, you know. And and he, so there's plenty of people that have a very high opinion of of Pettis's skill set. And the thing is, we've seen it work. We've seen what it can be. That's why everybody was like, I think if you go back and look at the end of his rookie season, he finished with like wide receiver one numbers, like you know high high teens yards per game right underneath 100 yards per game and you know he's obviously sprinkled in some touchdowns and so he has the talent but whatever he's working through on the mental side of the game is just presenting him a huge challenge and and I just have no time for the idea that that is Shanahan's fault uh I you know I have a high opinion of Shanahan the way he coaches and and I just everything I've seen 
when I've been there in the building speaks to just Pettis struggling and, and, and it not being Shanahan's fault for lack of a, a better way of saying it. So, right. you know, but I think that wraps it us up for today. You in agreement there, Croc? You think we, we did our jobs for today? Yeah. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm okay. good. All right. All right, guys. Well, make sure that you are, you check out, I should have mentioned this in the beginning of the episode. And, and well, I mean, and I will, and I mean, I did in, in ad form, but I want to mention it, you know, more on a personal standpoint, Kevin Jones, the, uh, the founder and CEO of Blue Wire just introduced a new podcast called Tight End One, hosted by Greg Olson uh, of the currently of the Seattle Seahawks, um, but you know obviously prominently featured in the for the Carolina Panthers, and it's it seems like a pretty amazing podcast. I haven't broken into it yet. The first two of the episodes are available, and George Kittle will be featured on that podcast relatively shortly, I believe, uh, and within like a week or two. Uh, so, and I mean, the, the podcast is called tight end one, so it's named after George Kittle. So you need to make sure you check it out, download it, comment on it, rate it, subscribe, listen to it, whatever you got, because, um, Kevin has built this thing from the ground up and starting from, you know, his apartment. And now he's got a podcast hosted by Greg Olson that's sponsored by Chevrolet. So, you know, support him and the fact that he's grown this out because without him, me and Crocker wouldn't have an opportunity to be on here right now. So make sure you check out tight end one. That's T E one. Uh, just like you see it written on Twitter, support that, you know, give it a positive review, listen to it, all that good stuff. But I know that that Kevin and both Crocker and I would appreciate if you guys gave that some love because the blue wire success is, is all of our success at this point. So um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Rob underscore louder L O W D E R. And you can find Crocker at Eric underscore Crocker. And uh, let us know what you think. Let us, let us know your thoughts on the episode. You know, what parts you agree with. Or, or even if you disagree, I don't see why anybody would ever disagree with anything we have to say. But uh, if you disagree, then let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. And, you know, we, we love hearing from people that listen to us. But I appreciate all you guys. And especially, you know, we have long episodes. and But you guys are tuning in. And, and I appreciate it. It means a lot. Um But for another week, this is Striking Gold, signing out. Peace! And, not to be forgotten, did somebody say playoffs? NBA and NHL are playing for the gold, and our partners at BetOnline have you covered. Get in on all the action, including a new NBA bracket contest with plenty of chances to win. MLB season is pushing into fall. And there's no shortage of ways to bet with hundreds of odds, futures, and props. So take advantage of the turn of sports. And remember, the casino never closes. Check it out all day, all night. Go to betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your welcome bonus. That's betonline.ag, promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline is your online sportsbook experts.